I think that we can all identify with uh, having times in our lives when it feels like the wheels are coming off and we are like super stressed. A pain so deep, a failure so great, a problem so seemingly insurmountable and no matter what you do or how hard you try, it seems like we just can't shake it and it craters our world. And it's in moments like these when we find ourselves face down in the dirt wrestling with God looking for the answers when the truth about ourselves emerges. Hardship, suffering, pain, that's like a common thread that brings us all together in our humanity. It's in those moments that it leaves us vulnerable and exposed and many times in need of healing. And the question is, when I'm facing a time like that, how do I overcome it without it destroying me? Well, good morning, y'all. So, um, as Greg said, we are today starting a new series entitled Wrestling with God. And it's a concept that's actually born out of the Old Testament in uh, Genesis. It starts kind of in chapter 25, and it goes for like 10 chapters. But it's the story of Jacob. And um, I'm not going to be able to get into all the details of the story. It's a long, drawn-out drama story. Um, but I would love for you to read it in those chapters. It's absolutely a fascinating story. Um, but suffice it to say that if you were on a deserted island and there was one person with you, you would not want Jacob to be on the island with you. He was um, a guy who was kind of out for himself. And if you got in his way, he would have no problem you know, taking you out. He was not that great of a guy. And so... Now, as a result of Jacob's sin in his life, his life is falling apart. He's on the run. Literally, he's being chased down by his father-in-law for a whole crazy story. And then his own brother Esau has vowed to kill him because Jacob uh, cheated him out of his inheritance, which is a whole other other crazy story. Um, But it's all coming down on him now. And he's feeling the pressure, and his life is falling apart, and he finds himself face down in the dirt, full of anxiety and stress, and he is uh, completely concerned about what's about to happen to him and the mess that he's created in his life. However, when he falls asleep on this particular night, He had no idea that this night would actually change his life forever. So he collapses into a deep sleep on the banks of the Jabbok River. And that night, a stranger walks into his camp who can only be described as otherworldly, for lack of a better way of saying it. And we're not exactly sure why, but the second that Jacob encountered this stranger, they ignite into this intense wrestling match. And they wrestled throughout the entire night and into the next morning at 
which point this stranger strikes Jacob in his hip and he leaves him with a permanent limp. I mean, it's going to blast him for the rest of his life that he'll walk with this limp as a result of this injury. And it's only later, after the whole thing's over, that Jacob suddenly realizes what happens. And so as he looks back, he said that in Genesis chapter 32, 30, he said, in that moment, I saw the face of God. I was face to face with God, and yet my life was spared. So apparently he was wrestling with God in this moment. And it was an amazing aha moment for him of of what had happened. And as a result of this wrestling match with God, two very important things came out of it. One is that God gives Jacob a new name. And from this point forward, he would now be called Israel, if that rings any bells. Uh, The name Israel means that he was able to overcome struggle. And this is signifying that he now has a fresh start. And the second thing is that we read is that in this moment, God also blesses him and it changes his life. Like he is completely transformed as a new person moving forward. So what we learn from all of this, and this is what the series is based on, the wrestling with God, is that our lives are never meant to be easy. And that there are times that we need to wrestle with God in order to remind ourselves of who is ultimately in control, what is the will of God for our lives, and that real growth experiences always involve struggle and pain. Now skips forward several thousand years later, And the Apostle Paul is writing 2 Corinthians, and he puts this kind of same idea in a much more contemporary way. And these are a few of what I think are some of the most beautiful verses in the entire Bible. And he says this, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I love the fact that those verses in the Bible acknowledge that life is hard. And when he uses the word perplexed here, it has the idea that you're so perplexed in this situation that you feel like there is no way out. You can't see the path forward. There are many times in this life where you feel like your back's up against the wall. And there is no way out of some bad situation that you find yourself in. Yet, as Paul said, I may be perplexed in a situation, but I am not in despair. There are times when I feel hard-pressed and pressured from all sides, but I am not crushed. I may be kicked and beaten down, but I will not be destroyed. The point here is to say, look, life is seldom easy. And most of the time, it's pretty dang hard. But take hope because God never gives us anything that we can't ultimately make it through. Well, he goes on in verse 16, again, a beautiful verse where he picks it up and then he says, Therefore, we do not 
we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweigh them all. And so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There are three quick points that I want to make from this passage about it, what it looks like as a result of wrestling with God through the hard times of our life falling apart. And the first one is this. Hard times teach us to persevere. Perseverance seems to be like a goal of our faith. It is a recurring theme in the Bible. It drives me crazy, but it is. And so it's the idea that we can find the strength to finish the hard journey of life. And in order for us to be able to finish well, we have to persevere through the hard times, which is the idea that we have to, unfortunately, when the hard times hit, that we have to suck it up. And we have to face whatever it is that we're going through head on. We can't avoid it. We can't hide from it. We have to walk through it. And how we walk through it makes all the difference. That's what matters. Therefore, we do not lose have you ever felt like that where you just kind of lost it where you just feel dry and dead and empty and nothing really matters because it feels like you've just given up even to the point that we become cynical or apathetic or even calloused over time, because we slowly lose heart. It's like Paul is trying to inspire those of us who are going through tough times, and that phrase implies, don't become empty. Don't lose the presence of God in the hard times. Don't let your heart become calloused. Rise above it, and for the love of God, Never, ever lose hope. Well, he goes on and he says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I don't know about you, but I take issue with his use of the phrase light and momentary. Don't you? I mean, because it doesn't feel so light and momentary when we're in it. I mean, it feels more like heavy and big and forever, like we're never going to get through it when we're in the tough times, which leads us to our next lesson, which is hard times create hard change. When uh, Jacob was finished with a long night of wrestling with God, he emerged as this completely different person and It's only as he looked back after it was all over that he was able to see that he was in the presence of God the entire time. 
when we look back on hard times, we can see what we can't see when we're in the middle of it. And that is many times looking back, we can see in those moments where God's hand is upon us. Where God renewed us. Where he gave us the strength we needed to make it through. And as a result, we became different. Our faith got deeper. Our belief got stronger, which is what it means when he says that these hard times are achieving for us an eternal glory because we have come out the other side with a faith that is stronger. Where we understand that it's not about here in what we can see, it's about what we can't see. That there is this eternal perspective that emerges out of the darkness of the night. Once we cut through the junk of this world and we open our eyes and begin to put things in perspective, we begin to get the bigger picture, which is God is at work in us in these times. And the struggle, the struggle is what creates transformation. The transformation that creates in us this eternal glory, as he describes it, that far outweighs any other great thing in your life. Because when you have this eternal perspective, it changes your entire outlook. All of a sudden, you don't sweat the small stuff. You don't get stressed out as easily. You don't give up as quickly. You're able to overcome the obstacles that seemed like they were insurmountable before. And so there is this new perspective that says, while, while I would not choose to go through that hard time again, amen, I would never, ever take it away because that thing changed who I am. It's part of me. It's made me who I am today. It's in my DNA. It's changed my perspective on life. It's in the broken times of our lives that God is finally able to get through all the noise and all the junk of our lives and break through where we can finally hear him say, be still and know that I am God and I got you. Enduring hard times creates a depth in us that is indescribable because it makes us less shallow. I can always tell people who have gone through some serious stuff in their lives because they have a depth about them that is different and I got to tell you I'm drawn to that. Those are the people that I personally want to hang out with and talk to for into the hours of the night because there is an authenticity about them that is unique. They're not afraid to talk honestly about the messiness of their lives and the junk of their past and their struggles and their failures. And it's so refreshing because 
they have what Paul describes as this eternal glow where they know that life is not about the here and now. It's not about the temporary, that it is about going beyond the realms of this world. And there's a depth to that when you're going beyond and living beyond the superficiality of this world. Well, Paul goes on in verse 18 and he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That phrase that he uses there, to fix your eyes, can also be translated to examine or to consider something with a critical eye in order to determine its importance. Here's the point. The closer we live to God, the more discerning we become about what really is important in this world and what really is not. Which brings us to the final lesson. And that's hard times remind us that God is ultimately in control. I do think that the point of this whole thing is that there is another way to see the world then that goes beyond the daily grind of us just getting through another day. That we can see the world, your life, ultimately who you have the potential to become in your life, how your life ends. You have the ability to see all of that differently and create a different outcome than just going through the daily grind until it's game over. That's what faith is. That's what living by faith is. It's not watching for a particular result from God where you are trying to control the outcome because you think you know what's best. It's watching and knowing that God personally will come through for you. Somehow, some way, when your world is falling apart, when your back is up against the wall and there seems to be no way out and you can't see a pathway forward, God shows up and shows you the path. He lights it up like a beacon. But it's doing his will that pulls us out of the downward spiral that we're in and not ours. I mean, that really is the struggle, right? If we're honest, the struggle for control is palpable in these moments of difficulty. It's like we're determined to fix it ourselves. We hit hard times. We hit bad times. I got this, God. I can fix this. I can get myself through it. Move over. I know what's best for me. Until we not only screw it up, but we make things worse. And it's not until we realize that we can't do it on our own that we finally, as a last result, call out to God for help. Is it at all possible that God's plan is better than your plan? Just saying. Sometimes we get so focused on how we think God is supposed to show up in our lives according to our plans 
that we miss what God is really doing right there in front of us. Because ironically, it's in the times of hardship that we recognize how weak we really are. It's in times of pain that we truly get the fact that we are not as strong as we think we are. It's when we're lying there with no ego, when we're finally broken and empty and we're limping our way out of a long night of wrestling with God that we finally realize, I need him. I need God. And it's in that moment that our faith becomes strong. It's in that moment that our faith becomes solidified and we become changed forever. This idea of total unconditional surrender is probably the toughest part of the Christian life. I mean, just turning your life, turning your will over to God. If you're like me, there is nothing more difficult in following Jesus than that. We fight him for control every step of the way. I was uh, out on a run out on the Great Western Trail not too long ago, and I just saw the, the funniest thing. There was this woman who was teaching her kid how to ride a bike. And she had to hold on to his seat, and she was running behind him as he was learning to ride. And he's turning around, and he's saying, let go. Let go of the bike. And you know what she's thinking. She's thinking, if I let go of this thing, he's looking the wrong way. He's going to crash. And so she yells back, look forward. Look forward. He says, let go. Let go. And there's this whole thing. Look forward. Let go. Look forward. Let go. And I'm amazed by the stamina of this mom who's able to keep up behind this bike, by the way. But finally, you know, there comes this moment of realization where she knows what she has to do, right? As a mom, as a parent, you know the only way he's going to learn that lesson is you got to let go. And she lets go of that, and you know exactly what happened. (laughs) That's exactly the way God is with us sometimes, right? In our relationship with God, we turn to him and we say, let go. I got this. I can fix this. No problem. Just Let go. And God's saying, you fool, look forward. Fix your eyes on what is unseen. Have faith. Look beyond this and see this. See what's possible. Until finally we force his hand and he has to let go. And you know what happens next. (laughs) Jacob's wrestling with God at Jabbok, that dark night reminds us of this truth. Though we may fight with God every step of the way and his will for our lives, the truth is that there is no greater life than when we can finally get freed up and live the life that God designed us to live. When we can finally see clearly the path the narrow dirt path that leads to Jesus and our feet are firmly planted on it and we know exactly where we're going. While we may wrestle with God through the loneliness of the darkest night, 
By morning, we are promised that you will emerge stronger in the broken places. You may be walking with a limp, but you will walk out of that fight with this newborn faith that is fixed on the eternal. Because we have this promise. While we may be hard-pressed on every side, we will not be crushed. While we may be perplexed not seeing a way out, we will not be in despair. While we may be persecuted and betrayed by the people we love the most, we will not be abandoned. We may be struck down, lying face down in the dirt, but we will not be destroyed. So therefore, we do not lose heart.